Hello and welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy. Learn all you need to know about the safe, ethical, and responsible use of ayahuasca for healing and awakening. Meet the wisdom keepers, space holders, and guardians of this powerful plant ally. Hear directly from the people about their ayahuasca healing experience. To embark on your healing journey or to start a new career in psychedelic-assisted therapy, go to my website, avatarhealingarts.com, and get in touch with me. Thank you for liking, subscribing, and sharing this video. Please leave a comment and enjoy this episode. So hello and welcome back to our podcast about ayahuasca assisted therapy and today I'm super excited to be here with one of my sisters Eve Taylor and we had the chance just to connect very briefly on another call you know through the internet and uh, she has some kind of very insight exciting inciting <laughs> exciting niche and lots of insights as well I'm sure so we are here to kind of a little bit dig into her life and her journey and her offerings, you know, with, with this beautiful medicine. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, my queen. I am so honored to be here in your presence. And thank you for opening up this space. And I'm looking forward to building our relationship through this call and allowing an audience to enter into us doing that. <laughs> Wonderful. So uh, I always start with asking people, how did you come across with the medicine? What's your personal story, your journey? What, what brought you here? And then what happened to you that made you kind of stick with it, you know, since then? Well, I think that I was working with these molecules far before I had any awareness that I would be working with these molecules. I've been a psychedelic girl my whole life. Mushrooms uh, were my drug of choice or LSD. Um, so that was the realm that I was playing in. Um, and although it was spent more recreationally, even when I wasn't going in with intention, I was getting some pretty profound insights. And I think that these molecules um, have had a lot to do with how I've developed and created my identity. And um, I come from a background of mental health professionals. I was raised by my grandparents who are absolutely incredible people and I'm honored to have been raised by them. Um, and I did the pendulum swing. Like I wasn't interested in following the family, family lineage and getting into therapy, but then eventually I got called back um, through GMT. And a brother of mine introduced this molecule to me because he was just consistently called to do so. And I met it and then it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. And that was the beginning of about a year and a half of very intensive self-study with DMT. Um, to specify for the audience, I'm talking about NNDMT, which is plant-sourced DMT. And um, some days I was smoking it <laughs> upwards of a hundred times a day. I would go in and then go back in and then go in and then go back in and I'd learn everything and then forget most of what I learned. And it was just this iteration of, um, kind of taking this, this abstract energetic awareness and funneling it down into language. And about a year into that, the molecule kind of, or I released conscious awareness to myself that, Hey, you're going to be working with it. So now let's start building a practice. And once I committed to that, um, the universe really just rewarded me and provided. And ever since that I'm ever since that decision was made, it's been my full-time work and that's my practice. And um, that's what I do. I introduce people to the wonderful world of DMT. <laughs> wow, this is just so mind-blowing. So, okay, so just clarifying it with people. So the DMT that you specifically work with, what plan does it comes from? So um, I source from the Mimosa hostilis and this tree uh, is an absolutely incredible tree in and of itself. Um, it has a rapid regrowth cycle. It maintains its foliage almost year round. So it provides shelter to the animals and the ecosystem and the gardening community. They refer to it as a trash tree, like you plant one and then your neighbors have one. And so the highest concentration of DMT is in the root bark. So that's what we source from. We do it in a sustainable way. So we don't dig up the tree. We just take um, 
from the bank, like it's planted on a bank and what the tree gives us, um, we receive in gratitude and allow it to continue to grow and flourish. And this tree actually could do quite a, a lot for the repopulation of the Amazon rainforest. Um, so I don't think that that's coincidental as we're entering into this psychedelic renaissance or revolution, whatever word, whatever word floats your boat. Yeah, totally. So um, you take the root and what is the preparation? What do you do with the root? Okay, so that is not something that I'm going to go into in depth in this part of, of this. Uh, but if there's quite a few YouTube videos about it, but basically the root turns into, you take the bark and the bark turns into a powder and there's a little magical wave of a wand that then brings it into the next level of itself by separating the molecule from the bark that um, holds it. And then now okay. we're at the And then it's a powder, mm -hmm. then you sniff the powder or you light it or what, what's, what's happening? How okay. You... Okay. So then, so then DMT takes a crystal form. Um, it also can be, uh, utilized in a vape and, um, that is my preferred method. Um, I like the vape. It's easy. It's clean. It's consistent. Um, that being said, it can be smoked as a powder as well. And DMT you know, psilocybin pharmacologically is 4PO DMT. Ayahuasca has a DMT plant that is what activates it. So there's DMT kind of plays the role of this thread of whatever consciousness we're tapping into. So there's different ways to access DMT, including endogenous DMT. Um, so what we're talking about is exogenous received from the external and endogenous is received within. And that DMTs released when we dream, holotrophic breathwork, tantric practice, transcendental meditation, childbirth, death, near-death experiences. It's a molecule that's that's working out in the background. It's in the retina of primates, for example. Um, so it's more than just in the pineal gland. So I think as we've as we're destigmatizing psychedelics and those that were um, scheduled um, in the war on drugs, we're and research and science and spiritual communities are starting to come into alignment. I think there's a wealth of information that we're just tapping into as we collectively evolve our relationship with these molecules. Thank you so much for all this information, because I think a lot of people are not familiar with this specific form of DMT, like it's much more um, trendy, you know, bufo, you know, the mm -hmm. and then of course ayahuasca and <clears throat> versions of ayahuasca. So <clears throat> when you said that you, there were days when you smoked it under times of something, I just want people to understand this is not bufo. <laughs> you know that that's not this is not bufo um, yes. we so, so tell us a little bit about like you know can you say something about the difference and what is the effect what happens you know when you are under and how, how long it lasts absolutely so the length of time with nndmt is similar to both bufotenin or 5-meo um it can be anywhere from five to 30 minutes um, so in my experience i do have experience with bufo as well as 5-meo um in and is my zone of genius, um, but I have experienced the two enough times, I think, to speak on it. So from my experience with 5-MEO is that it the, the goal of it is to bring you to baseline polarity. It's kind of like this uh, instant awareness of the second dimension. I am everything and or I am nothing. And occasionally Bufo will take you somewhere in between. So when Bufo, again, from my experience, and I have quite a few clients that have experienced it as well, when Bufo is kind of ready to show you what it's got, you get into this ultraviolet light where you've transcended emotion, you've transcended shape, you've transcended sound, you've transcended having an opinion about it. And then you're kind of just everything. And it's a little boring in there. <laughs> it's absolutely magical. It's love. It's that. But really at its peak, there's no there's no emotion around it because an emotion is an observation which creates the separation of the self, right? An emotion is me experiencing myself as something else. And then you kind of do, 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 do back down to here. And I think 5MEO is really brilliant as a touch point um, for somebody to feel that interconnectedness. Um, it, it can be very transcendental, but what I've... What I think is um, 
what I think that there, there leaves to be desired in 5-MeO is there's not that much tangible, digestible information. It's a point of awareness. And this way, this is why I think NNDMT is more workable because what DM, NNDMT does is it's, it bridges the gap between here and there. So this three-dimensional grounded plane where separation is incredibly convincing and that touch point of I am absolutely everything, how do I build that ladder? And I think in NDMT with the geometry and the texture and the imagery and the language and the telepathic conversations really helps bridge that gap. And I think that that's also one of the reasons why we see a bit of unprocessedness in the 5MEO community because it's not something that you can sit with all that regularly. Um, and it, the information of that space isn't as easily digestible as it is. Like if for, uh, you've experienced ayahuasca, when you're having a solid ayahuasca trip, that's an elongated NNDMT state for sure. Okay, thank you so much. This is this is very you know good the way that you explained. So when you were when you started using uh, this molecule, you know, this plan this way, you know, with quite often at the beginning, like what happened to you? Like, how did your perception change? How did your behavior, your priorities, your values change your relationship? Like what, what happened to you that you can say, Hey guys, this is what it did to me. You know, like it changed my life like this way, you know, thanks to this work that I did with this medicine. That's an excellent question. Um, let's think back on that in linear time. It was, it's been a minute. Um, well, first DMT. So I was raised with a Christian and conservative background and I believed in intelligent design. I absolutely believed that there was organization to this realm I was experiencing, but I wasn't really preoccupied with dissecting it. I felt there was something larger and I was okay with that and leaving it that way. So I wasn't really all that spiritual. And then first DMT brought me closer to God than anything ever had. That was the first time where I felt like I was in dialogue with God. God was real. And that was the thing. And then bit by bit, it started deconstructing this idea of divinity separate and bringing me into a cell of that divinity. And then through the lens of spirituality. So then first I became more spiritual and then actually it started, I started becoming quite mechanical um, in terms of this is vibration. This is how we experience things. These are how things form. And it brought me ultimately into a state of neutrality where it was consistently holding me accountable in terms of any judgment I placed on someone was me experiencing myself and, and then deconstructing that and ultimately reaching a place where I live in a state of radical responsibility. So I now have a pattern because from my perception, the brain is pattern recognition software. So what it did with me being consistently in relationship with it was bring conscious awareness to my patterns that no longer served me, any residual victim mentality, any aspect of my personality that was a princess trapped in a tower of her own creation, any villainization of my parents, any kind of codependency, um, any resentment because I was doing things for others that I didn't really want to do. And it gave me back responsibility for all those behaviors. And as a very, very kind teacher, this is the feedback loop. Are you, this is what the result of this behavior looks like. How do you feel about that? Are you enjoying yourself? No, then change the behavior and you'll change the result. So consistently showing me the reality that I was creating as such a non-judgmental patient teacher all kept bringing me back into this state of awareness to now I'm at a point where I can pretty successfully, uh, there's, there's, there, there leaves some to be desired, but I can pretty, pretty successfully regurgitate the information that I learned in that space because I was taught it and went back in and out so consistently, if that answers your question. Wow, <laughs> totally. That that sounds like a total dissolution of identity and then emerging like the more authentic self, obviously. So um, 
I don't have experience with this plan, but you know, with the ayahuasca, often the the guidance and the support that you got is often very symbolic and metaphorical, and you need to kind of decode it. And often you need outside support and help, you know, to kind of integrate and make sense out of your experience. Like, but but how you explain your experience, it seems to me that you receive very, very clear guidance. So is that the case, or did you have somebody like a physical? being guiding you as well with this plant or how how did that happen I didn't my relationship with DMT was DMT um it's my master teacher and it's still to this day is my most important relationship so I learned directly from the molecule disclaimer as as it as I was deconstructing and reconstructing myself I got weird for a few moments there was that level of disconnection from reality, there was the, the misinterpretation of information, right? Jumping to conclusions, immediacy, that there was my friend saying, hey girl, you gonna be okay? Like, <laughs> what's going on over there? So, um, which was part of my journey to bring me to a state in which I am very much equipped to do what I do and I am very comfortable with this molecule. And that being said, although you could refer to me as a master of this molecule, I know that it's barely even introduced itself to me. So as much as I know and as in consistent communication as I am, I don't know shit about it. Um, when terms of a guide, um, I think it is great to if we're talking about people that are interested in getting into psychedelics in the space, I think that it's great to have a three-dimensional human or guide that helping you integrate and prep and prepare and that can speak to you in your language, whether it's through the lens of spirituality or mathematics, or if we want to get into physics or cosmology, or if we're, if we're Eastern, even if we're going to look at it from a Christian lens, who is comfortable to, to speak to you in the way that you can um, help digest this and bring the, the benefits of this into your identity or the character that you're playing. And I think that also, where am I going with this? I think that it's also important to, when you're seeking out a guide, um, check in with how their process is. Um, and if there's anything that triggers them, um, why? why what what is that and what do they have an opportunity to work through as well very true thank you so um what's your perspective on how often we should take medicine how much medicine serves us you know can it be too much what you did um is there any contraindications like with other dmts there are some contraindications that you would say so certain people like should avoid it that's a good question um so in my company i utilize other experts for example i have a nurse practitioner that i work with religiously and they will do with our clients we have a full medical intake so whatever medications they're in they're on um, what their what their background is, family history of that. I have a vetting process, and I utilize again a um, a healthcare professional to do that. And so these are some questions that she would be more equipped to answer. Um, that being said, in terms of although I do believe that it's schizophrenia or borderline personality disorder or even bipolar, I think that these, these molecules can be utilized in the not so distant future. Um, I, I don't think that um, like we are equipped to do that right now. So um, those are definitely clients that, that I wouldn't so basically some practitioners that are looking to get into this space, they're, they're in the, there might be a little, oh, am I going to make it and be able to do this? So they take on clients out of feeling the necessity to take anybody that comes their way and they could, in, they could potentially endanger themselves and the person they're facilitating for. Um, so really erring on the side of caution, specifically because we don't have a collective framework um, and because there is this under overground, sitting with your intuition, making sure that you utilize an expert that is experienced in this, um, that, that does have some kind of medical background, that is aware of medications, interactions, what things can come up through a psychedelic experience because they can be triggering. Um, and 
really, if, if this is more geared towards practitioners, um, err on the side of caution always. And yes, um, enough is enough. And I do not, I teach my clients to build a relationship with DMT. I do not teach them to build the relationship with DMT that I have. I might be a little bit of an anomaly and I do not smoke it a hundred times a day. Um, that being said, I do see about 20 clients a week. So I'm sitting with it pretty frequently. Um, and um, I, it's a lot, <laughs> it's a lot to process. It's a lot to digest. Um, and I think it's really finding your sweet spot and, and preparation and integration. Why am I here? Why am I sitting with this? Um, what is my intention around this? What am I clearing? And it, it's, and I don't mean, I, I believe, so it's, how do I word this? life gets to be ceremonial and life gets to be really playful. We recreate ourselves recreationally, right? Recreation and recreation are the same word with different emphasis. So at least in my personal experience, I like to balance with taking things seriously, but not too seriously. This gets to be fun. And if the experience of discovering yourself is a pleasurable one, then now you're creating a pleasurable feedback loop that reinforces itself because I enjoy the process of learning about myself. And because the process of learning about myself is an enjoyable one, I'm going to continue to complete that process and cycle through that iteration. So trust your intuition, keep yourself safe and allow it to be light, allow it to be enjoyable. So does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, and it sounds really good you know compared to an ayahuasca ceremony and when you're throwing up and puking your guts out so what kind of people do you attract into your practice like are there certain specifics you know that what kind of people come to you and why they are looking for this experience so the I've worked with a wide array of individuals. Um, I'm at a point I'm at a point in my practice where the spell I've cast or the mantra that I recite is those who find me are those who are ready. And I trust the universe that if it's somebody that's been doing the work ahead of time, like this is what I've been doing, this is my focus, and I'm ready for it to work, then because they've been building these patterns and I kind of get to come in and unlock it. And so congratulations on all the work you've done. This gets to be quick and easy and efficient. I also have those that they're at their last leg. They're like, this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. And one of the main questions I ask is, are you ready for this too? Like how attached are you to your narrative? Because if at the end of the day, you don't want to feel better, then nothing's going to help you. If when you have chosen to step into the you that doesn't need to be a victim in your reality, then I can serve you there. Uh, that being said, I'm not the magic wand. You are. And then also I have really, really intelligent, high-performing individuals that are pretty processed and are experimenting with it as more of a technology and whatever their field or zone of genius is through or the artistic, mathematical, scientific lens. So the, the, the thing about my clients, I think that is the most exciting is how symbiotic my relationship is with them um, and how much I enjoy what I do and I enjoy their company. And because I have such a beautiful and brilliant clientele, it makes my work sustainable. And I think that that's also another thing that as practitioners, it gets to be okay. We don't need to be wounded healers, healing the wounded, walking around empathically carrying everybody's emotional baggage. It's not, it's not sustainable for uh, this, this kind of work. And for us, I, in my, in my perception. Hmm. Well, thank you for saying that. And that's something I think that we can have a separate podcast to that <laughs> field, you know, for practitioners, we all need to hear this for sure. And, you know, this perspective is very much welcome. So, okay. So when people come to you, like, like, how does that look like you offer a kind of program? Like, if so, what is included or is it very individual depending on the person and what they need and how long you kind of, you know, are with like escort a person like in in their process do you have some kind of limit for that oh I this is totally about my business what a fun podcast um so I have a my practice is referral based and um I work with my clients in a minimum of a seven-week container 
Um, and the first, the this is a read between the lines situation. Um, the first, the the first few sessions, that's medical intake and educational. So before we um convene, but oh, this gray area. It's like walking on eggshells, right? Um, okay. So first we educate, we make sure that we're a proper candidate, then we educate and then we get to meet it. And then we sit together and then um we meet it once a week for an hour consistently. And um, I give my clients rituals and homework um, to uh, dialogue with it outside of our time together. And we integrate and we process that. And um, then I set them free on their own. Those that are more interested in going deeper, I have quite a few long-term clients. And I also do loosely train uh, practitioners in the space. Um, I do have quite a few clients that are... Uh, mental health professionals um, and uh, plant practitioners, and um, we help them be better at what they do. Wow, that, that, is, that is wonderful. So, um, okay, let's get into more practical, you know, everyday examples. So what, what is that you can share, you know, that you've seen transformation with people? For example, this person came like this or with this problem and then we did this and then this happened and now they are great. You know, some inspiring stories that, that shows people what is possible. Why do you think that this technology, this particular medicine is like, is cutting edge or it, it might be a shortcut to compare to other tools or technologies? And how can people, you know, benefit from it, you know, in a very practical way? So the, I'm pretty, I'm pretty lock and key with uh, client confidentiality. So I don't, I'm not going to active accidentally give any, any identifying information away. That being said, on a weekly basis, I am greeted with an email that it, that just the um it's so efficient it's so fast and um it's so it's I'm really really good at my job and the reason that I'm so good at my job is because DMT taught me how to do it and although I I do value my my role in 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 it this molecule is absolutely incredible this molecule I'll speak for myself has changed my life it's given me everything I have a healthy relationship to my body. I have symbiotic relationships. I'm not stressed about aging. I've finally received and appreciated my beauty. I've removed imposter syndrome. Um, I live in a reflective state of responsibility. I have an absolutely beautiful house um, that I designed, that I have the money, that I had the money to design. And I released the imposter syndrome around being an artist that was capable of designing it. And it's extraordinary. DMT is my superpower it's that easy. Um, I think one of the reasons why it's effective is because it makes us less solid. And um, from my perception, we're playing, we're in a video game of our own creation and we're a collective mind that's running iterations to experience ourselves with ourselves, by ourselves, for ourselves. And the level of density, when something matters, it materializes and it solidifies. And the more denser, the more weight we have on us, the, the heavier the gravitational pull is of the, the, map of the maze that we're running and so dmt just kind of removes separation and then now that you're experiencing yourself in a more vibratory interconnected state you're you're venturing into the realm of possibility so it's like as opposed to coming up with all these reasons why this is impossible it's you start shifting at least i we start shifting into the realm of i can because i am of course, this is possible. Possibility is me playing the role of it. And it's so empowering to just take back all of it. You take back your power and you get to actively create your reality. And when you do that, you collapse linear time. And so one of the other reasons it's more effective is because we are collapsing. We're think of it like a higher waveform, right? The higher the wave or the vibration, the tighter it is, and the tighter it behaves, it almost appears as one again. A long, denser vibration, those peaks and those valleys, and it takes a long time to figure it out. You tighten the feedback loop, you're now creating a new program more, more efficiently. If you are creating the new program through a feedback loop of pleasure, 
then it's going to be an enjoyable process, which is going to speed it up even more so. So these are one of the things, these are some of the reasons why I think it's so efficient because you get to have fun changing your life. If that answers your question. Yeah, totally, totally. So do you think that, um, as you mentioned earlier, that we are the medicines, you know, and these are tools, allies, technologies, um, supportive spirits, whatever, um, to help us. So like one of the messages that I received from the mother ayahuasca that what, the more you heal, the less medicine you need. So the, the goal is not to rely on anything, not even the medicine. And so my understanding was that, you know, like the more you heal and become whole, the less you, you, you need to sit with the medicine. And, and also with the ayahuasca specifically, I've seen many times, and this is something I went through at the very beginning, just drinking a lot of medicine without integration, without processing, mm -hmm. but that brings up like, like, come, you know, brings people to like a breakdown, like, <laughs> so, so, um, like it, is is this similar with the medicine that you work with like do you do you feel that this is true that this is like you you are more in touch with the medicine even if you are not consuming do you have to consume when you serve the medicine is that necessary in this scenario or how does that work no and i work with my clients remotely right and and the the these yes and it's a tool, right? What we get to do is we get to take a look at our relationship with anything, whatever vibration it presents. This is a relationship. Mushrooms are a relationship. Alcohol is a relationship. My dog is a relationship. We're developing a relationship. My phone is a relationship. Okay. It's, I take responsibility of how I relate. And if this relationship is serving me, then I continue, but I check in with it. And these the intelligence of these molecules, they will not be abused. And one of the things that's so smart about them is, although dose is an important part of it, they transcend dose. I've taken far less ayahuasca and gone far, way farther than if I'm pushing it with cups. And she's like, not today, sweetie, you're going to stay right here because here's where the lesson lies. Mushrooms do it, DMT does it. And that's one of the first things I teach my clients is when to put it down when it's not calling you because you're going through cycles and their rituals. And this is a lesson I'm learning. And this is the ritual in which I learned that lesson. And when that lesson is complete, now I get to integrate it. And at least in my experience in the container I work with, with DMT, it's very good about the, it's counter addictive. So I'll have a client that says, Hey, I didn't do my homework. I really wasn't feeling called to it. I'm sorry. I'm like, no apologies. If you weren't feeling called, you weren't feeling called. This is your relationship. Or I'll have another client that's, hey, man, I'm really, I'm feeling it. Like I'm feeling like every day. Is that okay? And I go temporarily, if you're being called, sit with it and honor the call because you're in a lesson. And that's the other, the benefit of ayahuasca is you're there for a few hours. It's a journey. The same thing with psilocybin. With DMT, you're popping in and out. So I like consistently jumping in for five to seven minutes a week. And that's how the ritual gets completed. And it, does that make some sense? Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, it's so different from the, the, the ayahuasca and how that is used in the ceremony and stuff. So it's very interesting to hear. Okay, very, very cool. Um, right. <laughs> Any, anything that you would like to share with our audience that you feel passionate about right now, or, you know, that you would like to put out some kind of message for the people who are interested in this and, and, you know, they are like, oh, I'm not sure how to start. Um, I think so if, if are we talking to somebody that's brand new to psychedelics? Yes. Yes. I think there is a big influx of people that are just coming in and has no knowledge, no previous experience. You know, they are just getting on the hype of DMT, the spirit molecule. Right. Um, yeah. Who you practice with is important. 
So absolutely do your due diligence and your research because there is a hype or a craze happening right now. Those and these molecules, these medicines, these teachers are so transformative in such a short period of time that somebody can experience self-awareness in that six hours more than they have in years. And because they are more processed than they've ever been, they get into this state of missionary where now I got to share it. And then, and then they can only take you as far as they are themselves. Um, so specifically, if you're a newcomer to the psychedelic space, I would do your research on your practitioner because also sourcing of the molecule, the energy in which the molecule was made, extracted, all of this is vibration. And we're entering into a realm that's less concrete. When we journey, we're going into a vibrational space where you and I are more connected. So any of my shit's going to come with us as well. So having somebody that's integrated their shadow has uh, neutralized their triggers that can hold your hand and really walk you through it, specifically if you've got some heavy experiences that you're ready to unpack. I think that's important. Also taking a look at how you would like to approach a ceremony. For example, with DMT, I utilize it as a technology in a traditional therapeutic, more traditional therapeutic time model of an hour. I'm going to see you an hour once a week. Um, however, my mushroom ceremonies happen in person. Um, and if there's going to be ayahuasca, I have a page um, who is an indigenous shaman who is shamans of Siberian, um, who has a long ancestral lineage and has been drinking and facilitating ayahuasca with his people for a very long time. So it's also, I'm more than equipped to teach you, walk you through the world of DMT and mushrooms, but even I, with all my experience, know to respect the indigenous tradition and the Icaros and the music of how these healers do their magic. So something specifically with ayahuasca I'd be careful of is like your Texas shaman that has, that they've done it a couple times and they're wearing the right color bracelet and they have a crystal and a hat on and now they're serving a medicine that they probably only recently met and haven't sat with that, that many times. We're seeing a lot of it and everything is exactly as it's meant to be. And I'm not saying their hearts are not in the right place and we don't support them, but as a community, we're coming to a place of legalization and I think that it's really important that we um, govern ourselves and create some level of accountability. So as legalization occurs, we get to keep doing what we're doing and um, negligence doesn't take it away from us and put it in the hands of, for example, a big pharmaceutical company. Yes, there is a lot happening in the space, but safety is so important. And as you said, you know, these molecules like DMT and sacred plants can actually magnify somebody's ego and narcissistic tendencies, huh? and put them in this like God complex, as you said. So uh, I don't, I, I cannot tell you how many people after they go to ceremony, they tell me, oh, the medicine told me that I, I'm to open a healing center, you know, and <laughs> like nine out of ten people you know like the medicine says it's it's so funny and and I mean sometimes it is true I'm not saying sure. it, you know but I always say let's wait six months you know and see if you still you know feel called to do that because we have so many inspiring ideas and on the last funny note you know also on a regular basis I receive calls of spiritual emergency you know like when people are I just received a call from I, I shared it on social media from a person who was in an unsafe ceremony that was had by a person who had no idea what they are doing and ordered the, the medicine from the internet and cooked it in his kitchen and was kind of experimenting with ingredients like I mean a horrific story so many red flags you know and um this person, you know, uh, there was an intrusive energy attached to this person that almost drove her crazy. She was at the edge of a nervous breakdown. And uh, thankfully, you know, I could refer her to a shamanic practitioner to do an extraction. And <clears throat> she immediately, you know, within 24 hours, she just, you know, became felt so much better. And she's in her integration process now. But 
I always say to people that it's our responsibility to educate ourselves and to know what to ask and to check out the people and to check their reputation and uh, yeah, just know the red flags uh, to to keep keep ourselves safe because the predators are out there either intentionally, you know, they are doing this or people unconsciously harming yeah. others. Like both can happen, obviously, but we have to uh, acknowledge that and we have to be prepared. And this is something I learned kind of, you know, um, a little bit the hard way. And uh, and that, that's why we are sharing so much information about it. And if a practitioner is ethical, they will provide you with all this information. As you mentioned, they will have an intake form. They will have other professionals, healthcare professionals, doctors working with them. They will have a team of people, so on and so forth. Uh, so, and they're not going to just take on anybody just for, you know, just for right. this. That's, a, that's another, you know, I, I did send multiple people, I refer them to other practitioners with other technologies and stuff like that, uh, you know, because, um, yeah, this is, this is, um, I, I, I wouldn't say that the medicine is dangerous, I don't believe the medicine is dangerous, but people are dangerous, you know, and they can use the medicine or abuse or misuse these molecules, these medicines in an unsafe way. And that can be harmful for the people who are, you know, in that space, even though maybe you are not the one who is doing that, right? Right, I agree completely. And it's it's a great thing to point out. Sometimes it's subconscious, right? Some, yeah, there are predators and there are those that have malicious intent. And unfortunately, I have gotten quite a few of cleanup, like, as you said, spiritual emergencies, specifically with 5-MeO, because it's a fractalized consciousness that somebody is not prepared for, and they don't know what they they don't know what the fuck to do. They don't know where to start. There, so we 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 <laughs> here we go, and we get to clean it up and piece it all back together very calmly. But it's knowing when somebody's not a candidate or not ready for that, knowing what the dose is, knowing with a when a little is enough, um, knowing just trusting your intuition as a facilitator and also trusting your intuition as the recipient. Um, and we, this gets just because it's underground and legalization is happening doesn't mean that there isn't an air of professionalism that you shouldn't expect. If you're feeling uncomfortable with your personal space, if you're feeling pressured in any way, if you're not feeling supported, if you feel like somebody's projecting their belief system on you, if any, trust yourself. If you're not comfortable, you have absolutely every right to leave a situation that doesn't serve you. And and that's boundaries. And if somebody's working in a psychedelic space, they will be respectful of your boundaries because we know that boundaries are fabulous things that allow for successful and relationships to continue and grow in a safe container. Absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, I think although that sometimes that can be a problem that sometimes people are not connected with their intuitive guidance and they are in a place of trigger or projection or something. So my container is very different. You know, it's a year long integration. So it's a deep dive. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, I tell people up front, you know, that there will be projection and transparency and you're going to love me and then you're going to hate me and then <laughs> program and I, I say this up front because definitely these things come up in a you know this very intimate container and because I am the person you know pushing the buttons all the time mm -hmm. Um, so it happens, you know, very often and uh, we laugh at the beginning, but then when it happens in, in the process, it makes us easy because I can refer back and say, hey, it's not personal. You remember we talked about that and, you know, just checking in, you know, like who are you? Yeah, let's talk about that, you know, and, and, and that can often happen as well when people are uh, deeply triggered or when when they are releasing trauma and they are in a traumatic memory you know of course the projection can be very very strong you know to the environment and and to 
who whoever is there. So I that that just kind of an exemption from the rule of what you said that yeah, if you feel that this is you are uncomfortable, you should leave the container. But there are sometimes moments in the container when you will be uncomfortable because that's part of the journey, that's part of the healing, and and there is a difference between intuitive guidance you should leave or your own resistance to the process saying I don't want to do this you know absolutely I'm really really glad that you care clarified that yes um uh, and I love that you do a year-long container that's incredible I'm excited to hear more about that um yeah I will trigger you it's gonna be great we're gonna have a really nice time but you called me in to hold you accountable for the reality that you're creating so we're removing the other and when your husband when your partner when your boss when your children are pissing you off and I'm telling you they don't exist and you get to take responsibility for that you am not your favorite person right there in that moment so yes it's um and you're right that's one of the things that is learning to alchemize your intuition as opposed to I think anxiety is unalchemized intuition. Um, but I'm more referring, I'm, I think I'm more referring to the be wary of the one and done. Like the, you're going to come, it's going to be that. And if you're feeling any discomfort in the beginning, um, but thank you for clarifying. What does your one year container look like? Well, I do like two to three months prep, but uh, like many times I work with first timers, like, so I attract a lot of first timers. So either never took any psychedelics or sometimes when they were young, you know, a little bit recreational, but nothing major. Okay. Um, so I do the two to three months to set intentions because what I observed that sometimes people don't know why they really come their their intention is very surface you know and it's not really about the deeper problem or the deeper issue that is related and um, I'm sure that is the same you know with the medicine that you work with that, that as soon as you say yes to the commitment and yes I'm coming you know to the medicine that the, the medicine is working with you so there is like a pre kind of process and when they are people in the container what we do is just we observe what is arising you know as we are doing the intention setting and it's it's so magical because almost like the medicine is showing you hey this is the issue you should focus on this is the issue you should focus you know so we utilize that time and the medicine already helping and showing you know how to set a great intention and to ask for the source of your healing you know not just something surface for example um there was a person who had a uh, treatment resistant chronic depression and her intention what you know uh, at the beginning was that she wanted to learn to live with the condition you know she wasn't even uh, level to to anticipate that maybe she can heal you know that that she doesn't have to live with it you know and what what she needs to ask for that or look for that you know that that can happen so oftentimes you know people especially first timers you know they they need that time to really set the good intentions and to really figure why they are here and what is the you know the good question to ask and also there is like fear that comes up before you know and and there is some processing of that preliminary fears that like that that people who never been in this context you know these common fears that come up that i'm gonna go crazy and i'm never gonna come right. back you know my my wife won't love me anymore and all these kind of things so that's that's the purpose of that and then they do only one ayahuasca ceremony unless there is a specific reason for more but okay. normally if they are first timers <clears throat> they do one at the beginning because i i i believe that the ceremony is just a part of the whole journey and you should do a whole journey to to really know what what does it take you know and to understand and then if you want to drink it every week like it's up to you but you're gonna know because what happened to me that I drank a bunch of medicine and I didn't know what was gonna how it's gonna work you know after and and when I realized what I did it was too late I'm already like <laughs> You know, so I say to people, hey, start with one because you have no idea what you are going into. And once you move through the whole journey, the whole process, then then um, 
you know, um, then you can you can do more if you want. You can do whatever, whatever you guide it to. Uh, so, and another reason for for the year long integration is that a lot of people you mentioned that category two is people who have something like like chronic you know chronic disease or suffer from some chronic condition that they tried like everything and you know did a lot of healing did a lot of therapy and and they still suffer so um you know i have a lot of people with ptsd cptsd <clears throat> childhood sexual trauma a lot you know um autoimmune chronic disease like uh, depression anxiety right you know different <clears throat> variations like that and and i think you know when people are on that level that i i worked on this for like 20 years and i still suffer you know that's really definitely some core issue and my experience is that you cannot approve it in two weeks you know that you need to give a time you know the medicine to take those layers and you can proceed to the core and you can approve um, because um, if it would come up all to all at once, I think it would re-traumatize people. It would be too much to process, you know. So I, I, I observe that there is an intelligence in the medicine and then and 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 the, the, the ceremony catalyzes this death and rebirth process that you this cycle, this you know, one round of the medicine will whatever that you go through you know counting from the ceremony and in that cycle you have an opportunity to set yourself free from that burden or that whatever to become aware what that is and to set yourself free but 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 it it, it does take time and that was my experience with people and with my own process that it took about a year because the first you know, four to six months, you are in the underworld, in the dark night of the soul, or your shit is coming up, you know, <laughs> release, you become aware, like, how fucked up you are in your head, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and so it's not, you know, so, and then you start, you know, shifting it, working with it, changing it, it's very energetic first, it's not so much visible, you know, change in the, in the outside, and then, you know, six months, you start stabilize and start moving into that rebirth energy into that emergence of the of the more authentic self and to um, like, you know, to 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 bring that into the everyday practical life and to, you know, bring it into habits, into behavior, into right. application. Right. So so. Um, what what the what this container does it it holds the hands of people for you know for quite a bit of time it's more than a year-long container but they learn processing you know so it's a teaching process and then if they keep working with medicines or whatever they they won't need to come to me anymore because you know they have their tools they have their understanding of the process of the framework they've been through it so so i think you know that's that's the other reason why it's a little bit longer because i teach people these these skills you know and this understanding how to navigate so then they can navigate you they are empowered to navigate on their own you know and they they won't need a guide that's that's the whole purpose right empowerment as you said personal empowerment yeah lie upon me on my program the medicine whatever but but i feel that that you know when people don't have this container then um they lose a lot of possibility of healing and growth because they either they don't they don't they are afraid to go there you know if it's some trauma or something that is painful you know it's like ah, i don't know what to do it's too overwhelming rather not touch it or or they stuck in there you know they okay i'm facing it but i don't know what to do with it it's it's overwhelming you know and they can be stuck they can abandon the whole path they can regress back into old habitual behavior because okay this is not working for me you know they are like just halfway through so i mean i was the, the same at the beginning i so didn't understand you know that, that everybody focuses on the ceremony and the visions and everything and i didn't understand that that just the beginning of the process and we have to view it in perspective you know the whole journey 
and have some patience in this world which is instant you know like you want everything instantly and heal instantly and change your life instantly and get rich instantly and right I don't think it works that way you know if you really want to change something deeply like you need some time for that even with these technologies that are I believe they are a shortcut they they really it's and I value I think oh man if I had a year I have some clients that I've had a year with and like wow it's incredible what we do because because consistency is key and also when you spend a year reprogramming yourself, imagine the layers and, and the safety and the accountability that's in that because you're exactly because you're speaking that language. And so you're teaching them the language that you've learned and helping hold their hand through it. And that is also very empowering as well, because if we do our jobs correctly, we become less important and you become more equipped to do it by yourself. And I honor that as well. And, and also in terms of the immediacy, I love immediacy. That being said, the minute you get what you want, your dopamine goes down. So the purpose really, the purpose of life is the process. It's something I like to say that, you know, when you're, when you're waiting for the, per, for to get life, that's death, you're done. <laughs> so allowing the journey to be the point and allowing, because you, it's not sustainable to just go into medicine space, medicine space. I've done it. It's not sustainable. Um, and sometimes you don't really get all that much information You're cause you stay in the same ritual on repeat. Um, so I think that that's a very, it's a very good thing to point out. And I really do respect the length of your container and that consistency. And I honor that. And I really appreciate that you're spending that much time with people, my sister, that's wonderful. Thank you. Well, you know, as you said, it's not for everybody, you know, it's geared towards specific situations and people. And I think that you can have a great experience in a shorter container as well. So I think it's great that there's so many different offerings, you uh -huh. know, as in the space because people can really, you know, intuitively choose, you know, their path because everybody is different. And it's so beautiful to see how the medicines are you know, coming through more, um, more and more practitioners, you know, uh, so to say, to be shared, how everybody has their individual signature, obviously, mm -hmm. because you have your own personal filters. So um, what would you say to just wrap it up for today? Um, the molecule that you work with, how is that different and better? compared to other technologies and tools that you come across. So obviously, you know, that's not the ultimate, you know, there are many, many valid paths, but but I definitely think it is different, you know, and maybe you can say that is better some way. What would you say? I think that I don't like to live in a comparative space because for it to be better, that means something must be left less than. I think that it's incredibly magical without needing to compete with the other. Um, I think the interesting thing about DMT is how it forms, how I experience it in a shorter way. And that is part of that immediacy and that program and that technology. You experience it, you drink it, you digest it, you journey with it, and it be it behaves more maternal in nature. The mushrooms are another way. Breathing is one way. Really experiencing touch without expectation in a divine partnership is another way. The birthing process is another way. We have DMT in the retina, so maybe we're using it to project the hologram. So I think what's very exciting is as we're starting to kind of weave together all of these different languages and these beliefs, and I think we're collectively getting to a place where we're ready to stop arguing with each other and be less reactive and start saying, hey, what do we have in common and what do we agree on? And I'm really looking forward to the next level of the collective and society and the direction that we're heading. And I'm grateful for all of these molecules, these, these plants, these medicines for coming forth um, for us and us, I know, right? It makes me kind of cry um, and our willingness to utilize them and share with them because I think that the collective consciousness is ready for the next level. And they're us getting us to a more pleasurable state of experiencing ourselves. It's that. 
for that. <laughs> Do you, uh, would you like to share, you know, uh, I don't know if you have some availability or would you like to stay in incognito or where can people find you if they want to find you? No, if they would like to find me, um, they can email me. That is the, that's the best way to get a hold of me. And it is uh, the T-H-E elevator with a D, um, E-L-E-V-A-D-O-R group, G-R-O-U-P at gmail.com. And um, I do work with clients in the United States. I see most of my clients remotely. Yes, because we forgot to say that you live in Brazil, correct? Yes, and I live in Brazil. So I also do see clients. I do have clients come for intensive with me in Brazil. I'm set up for that. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing with us about this like super magical and exciting topic today. And I hope that you will be back on the podcast. Thank you, sister. Thank you, my queen. And I will see you on your next group very soon. Thank you for listening and leave a comment if you enjoyed this episode. Help us grow our community by sharing this episode with your friends and subscribe to our channel to receive the latest on ayahuasca assisted therapy. To embark on your healing journey or to start a new career in psychedelic assisted therapy, go to my website avatarhealingarts.com and get in touch. And of course, stay tuned for the next episode.